Welcome to Amelia Baptist Podcast, where we discuss church life, theological questions, and cultural influences. Our podcasts are available via Google, Spotify, Apple, and many other podcast platforms. We hope you subscribe and enjoy today's episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Amelia Baptist Roundtables. I'm here with Dylan Whitaker and myself, and we are excited to talk to you today a little bit about what it means to take a certain verse completely out of context and use it as the world's famous, most world's most famous mic drop. Uh, but before we get into that, Dylan, how are you doing, buddy? Good. I'm doing well. Uh, wanted to talk a little bit about our new format here. Um, I'm pretty excited about it. So, you know, we started these roundtable podcasts uh, in a video form and, uh, back when the pandemic first started and the church was shut down and we were trying to connect with um, you know, our congregation throughout the week. And since then, God's really opened a door and this uh, has morphed. Uh, our viewership and listening um, audience has grown. And so, you know, as we, you and I have thought and prayed about it, we've decided that the podcast form is really kind of the area uh, that we wanted to focus on. So uh, people probably noticed last time that we released in an audio only form with, a, you know, Clay did a great job with a graphic for uh, YouTube. But going forward, we're going to be moving more towards this podcast form, still posting it on YouTube with that graphic, but really giving an opportunity for people to listen while you're, you know, running, jogging down the road on your way to work. Um, coming home from work on your lunch break there and hopefully be able to connect in that way to people. Um, and then another thing I want to say is be looking at the end of the summer. We have some really exciting uh, things planned for the future of the Amelia Baptist podcast here. Yeah, I agree. I'm excited too, man. And uh, it's funny because you don't want to just be another podcast in the sea of podcasts. You know, people have options of right. what they want to listen to and what they don't want to listen to. And, and I think this is good how you kind of worded it at the beginning. This was for our church originally. And uh, just for, you know, the few hundred people who, who claim Amelia Baptist. And it was during the time of a pandemic. So we had specific intentions, but it sort of like you said, turned into something we hope that uh, people see as a part of their week. That would be exciting. Maybe part of their every other week, depending on how often uh, the new format allows us to record these. But very specifically, uh, it's a time where the church really needs to have a remembrance of their place within the culture. And so as we sort of talk about things that you might uh, engage throughout specific months or holidays, we're trying to keep it relevant uh, but we're always open to talking about through the scriptures what, what's on your mind. And so you communicate with us through a variety of these avenues. We would greatly appreciate it. Um, I will, however, miss that, you know, you always made a fresh pot of coffee when we did the recordings. And that seems to have been sort of lost. Uh, before you go too far in that direction, uh, judging me on... <laughs> On my uh, lack of coffee making, I actually did make a pot this morning. You just uh, did not. That's not grab pertinent. any coffee. That's not this pertinent pot. to the situation. Yes, no, what I pertinent. thought was as ridiculous <laughs> is that I'm currently holding a coffee mug with water in it. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, this is the new and improved Adam Page uh, going healthy here <laughs> or something. Not, like, is that what yeah, we're going? I'm a, clean, I'm a clean bill of health. I know, right? People look at me and they go, "That's health." Right. That's health right there on a silver platter, my man. Um, Pretty soon you'll be modeling, you know. <laughs> that's front, the worst for a, what? Men's uh, health. Plus size right. male models. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, it's the, uh, 
No, it's the bottom line is I enjoyed the coffee and that's gone. But that's that's not really about our new format. No. Uh, but I did like how you uh, abused and used the word judgment as a uh, good segue into part of our what conversation. What we're going to talk about today. And I'll tell you, I'll be completely honest with you. Um, there's a reason why I really wanted to talk about this today. With it sort of being the start of the month of June and we all are kind of aware culturally what June has become in terms of, I would say, awareness. I think that's that's kind of what what's being being done. It's I mean, it's called Pride Month specifically, mm-hmm. and it's always sort of perpetuated by the LGBTQ community and advocates for, you know, LGBTQ rights and you know, uh, homosexuality specifically. And, and so I, I was engaged already in a conversation because of, you know, on you know, social networks tend to get you into trouble and no way. yeah. And so it was just, it was supposed to be, I guess kind of funny, but it was just, you know, prepare like instead of winter is coming, like, you know, June is coming and, and it really wasn't even an attack on anyone specifically. It was company after company. It's about to bombard your emails right. with, with what I would consider heavy virtue signaling and sort of trying and attempting to be what they would view to be on the right side of history in terms of morality and support and all of these other things. And so uh, there's no hate in this conversation. This is about a Bible verse that tends to be thrown at those who are making biblical judgments on things like human sexuality and, and other things like that. And, and the month of June being specific not to necessarily pick on one sin, but we do see this one having heavy and serious cultural implications in the world um, when it comes to identity, when it comes to gender roles, specifically... Our education system. Uh, indoctrinations, uh, yeah. uh, what's true and what's not true in a postmodern world. It's not as easy as, you know, man, people can just live however they want to live because no one really believes that. Right. I think that's no. what bothers me the most when someone says that, hey, just let everyone live how they want to live. You're approaching me in the conversation. So at the at the core, it's okay. I, I agree with you. There is going to be some disagreement in how people live their lives. Stop pretending it's not just because we're not advocating for the same things. But for those of you who need sort of a mini history lesson, the significance of this month, you know, finds its root in an LGBT pride month extends back to the gay pride marches that began in New York City really in the 1970s. Many of you might remember the Stonewall riots in Manhattan. Um, The original march was actually more of a protest than a celebration. Uh, but within four years, the parades had spread to dozens of cities across the United States, pride marches, pride events, pride festivals. So now it's pretty much, you know, President Obama also declared June to be LGBT Pride Month. I think it was him. And LGBT Pride Month is often mistakenly compared to Black History Month or National Hispanic Heritage Month as really a celebration of citizens of the same background. But there's already an LGBT, LGBTQ History Month in October. So that's why June's sort of odd is, you know, not only does it already have its own month in October, but now June is just pride awareness because it was declared, obviously, as a political act for support and advocacy. So here's where it gets to be the virtue signaling awareness that we know it to be throughout the companies and and really our culture, is that the symbol, the rainbow, was hijacked from the Noah Covenant. And now, here we are, constantly reminded by secular commemoration of a people um, th- with really the belief behind it, that's the issue, not necessarily, you know, the center because we live in a free country to a degree. So we're like, okay, there is a live how you want to live. There is a separation of church and state, but it's what's behind it that, that evokes this text of, you know, thou shall not judge. And that's not really the text, but that's what's thrown at you constantly. Yeah. And, and I think some of it has come from, uh, the church doing a bad job of explaining um, 
the biblical view of sexuality and the understanding of uh, Christ's, uh, you know, goals when he talks about um, truth and error, judgment, um, and, you know, judging righteously between right and wrong from a biblical point of view. Right. And so one is, I don't want to get too far into the issue or the sin itself. That's not really what today is about. It's about looking at the text and saying, well, how can I talk about this when someone throws this verse at me to help them, to help them understand that this is a poor argument. Right. The, the sort of mic drop of texts without context. But so, so really we could get into the true meaning of, of the rainbow, uh, when it comes to, you know, how it first appears in scripture and, and what it truly means. And, after the floodwaters and, and Noah's Ark, you know, had subsided, he built an altar, burnt offering. God declared this promise to Noah and his family. And so God attached special meaning to the rainbow so that every time we see it, we may be reminded of God's covenant to never destroy everyone and everything on the earth again with a flood. So the, the, it's a good thing behind this symbol. And I explain that to my kids and they're going to be, you know, in a culture where it means something entirely different by the majority of the culture. Right. So we are involved in the conversation as Christ followers, as, as people who have the Bible as their authority, there is an opinion you should have. Yeah, you, we can't, we can't, uh, ignore this, um, because yeah. it's all around us and your kids are growing up in it. Right. And, 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 and honestly, I, I really just don't buy to be frank. I don't buy the, you know, just, let people live how they want to live. I'm not stopping them from doing that. This is conversation. Like, so the bottom line is I'm not banging on anybody's doors, like demanding they change their, you know, their preferred sexual orientation. This is not how, this is not how I'm having the conversation. I'm, I'm explaining to people what it is we believe, why we believe what we believe and hoping that the Holy spirit will invade hearts and change lives. And so that's ultimately what it's about. This isn't bullying, I have no, I have no enemies really in, in that sense that I can tell. Now I know as long as you preach the Bible, you're going to have enemies and you're going to have people that, you know, kind of come at you and come against what you're saying. And that's, if the churches were more outspoken on these serious moral matters, we would have far more enemies, but we can't play the game of neutrality anymore. I think it's pretty fair to say that we can call sin, sin, but there is a problem whenever this specific sin is brought up, which is very controversial in our culture. And they take a single verse without context and they try to mic drop the situation. Now, for those of you not familiar with the term mic drop, that was taken like when someone on stage says something pretty amazing and it sort of ends the argument and it's usually met with a standing ovation. And then as a sign of like power and conquering, they sort of drop the mic and it hits the ground. You know, sound guys hate mic drops. Yeah, I can attest to that. (laughs) Right. It's like you're never supposed to hit the mic or move the mic because it freaks everybody out. But one that we see is judge not. And that's, that tends to be where they stop. So, and this is the scenario, you know, how I had this happen to me when I posted this thing on, on social network, which is this graphic that I didn't even make that I shared from my, my friend, honest youth pastor on Instagram. And, you know, someone said, that's not very Christian. And I said, well, it is very Christian, but what you're saying is it may not be very kind without context on a social network. And then we can have that conversation. Okay. Maybe that wasn't the right way to approach it. I, you know, I'm not going to apologize for what it says. And then there was a continuing part of the conversation of, oh, well, you know, this, the Bible says do not judge. And here we go, you know, June 1st. And then I got my first mic drop already of do not judge. But no other sin throughout the entire year do you ever see that mic drop and that statement. It's only when it comes to specifically the LGBTQ community because we are in a different level of cultural acceptance, identity crises, and, and moral 
definition in a postmodern world. So this is a this is one that has influenced the culture more. Everyone's going to have comments of, you know, well, we need to stop talking about one sin over all these other sins. And look, there are differences in the effect that it has in the culture. Like gluttony is a terrible, terrible sin. And we shouldn't be known for our gluttony. We shouldn't play around with gluttony because it's a sign of pride. It's a sign of idol worship. I mean, there's tons of issues with it. You're harming the temple, but it's cultural effect, right? So like what it's saying about Christ, what it's saying about the, the covenantal marriage between Jesus and the church as, as he uses the groom and, and the bride to, to you know, get, provide that parallelism. All of those have, have an effect on the seriousness and the weight of this specific topic. And you want to help people. This yeah, is an attack is, of people. This is not, you know, uh, uh, us out to get people or um, to, you know, shame people. Uh, w- w- our heart in this, I know, is in love. And that's the idea that the Bible gives us a clear definition of right and wrong, uh, truth and error. And then our job as Christians is to proclaim the word of God and to show uh, a culture that has denied God in so many aspects, what God says, um, and then the hope that's in Christ uh, at the end. So there's a purpose in what we do. Right. And then you'll see this basis found in, in the passage itself that we're on the Sermon on the Mount. There's no righteousness without judgments. Jesus does not prohibit the moral and relational judgments necessary to navigate a fallen world and pursue his reign. He doesn't say you don't have to do that. He's saying, is there a kind of judgment I disagree with? And is there a kind of judgment I approve? So we're going to get into that language a little bit, taking that soundbite from the most famous sermon in, in human history with the Sermon on the Mount uh, in the book of Matthew specifically. So, you know, when others try to judge any actions, we're not just picking on one sin here. It's any sin. It's often, it's often interesting how you tend to use this phrase when everyone around you thinks you're doing something wrong. Like that should be the first sign. Like everyone around you is judging you and you feel judged. Well, let's not look at what they're saying. Let's look at what you're doing. That's the first thing. So it expands to all these kinds of sins, almost like an intervention verse. You know, it's almost like a a deflection from an intervention. Judge not, lest they be judged. Okay, well, that just means you don't want to hear what I have to say. So, so we use it when we call on Jesus and make him sort of a trump card, right? Like uh, when a politician comes out with a questionable voting record or a celebrity scandal or, you know, moral, any moral questionable, morally questionable decision. It's the first verse we use. We don't say anything else in the passage. We don't, say, we don't use anything else in the book of Matthew. It's just, just that one judgment. verse. Yes, that's it. That's it. Not judge even not. a verse. And they don't even say it right. Not right? even like the most whole of the time, verse, we're not even know? quoting that, right? Judge not that you not that you be not judged, right? Like we're not saying that when we quote Jesus. So what we're really saying is, uh, if you act like anyone who disagrees uh, with this, you, you know, or you think anyone disagrees with you on this, they're foolish or intolerant. Um, so, so it's a quick mic drop, but it's a bad argument, and that's our point, and that's what, what the context we want to dive into. Uh, so we want people to understand what this means, and so it takes us to the Sermon on the Mount. And then ask that question, is there a kind of judgment that Jesus uh, disagrees with? And that's in Matthew 7, 2. Jesus explains that judging, the word judging, is a lot like measuring. Our culture still makes this comparison effect by uh, portraying even justice with a balancing scale. You see, Jesus tells his hearers to judge with a fair scale rather than the unfair scales that experience, they experience regularly. Saying, saying, he's not saying don't make judgments. That, that's, that's silly, to not make judgments. We make judgments every single day. Uh, detectives make judgments. So what we're actually saying is don't judge what I don't call a sin. So Jesus is saying judge with integrity and empathy, not hypocrisy. It's not don't judge. It's be careful how you judge, 
Right. Do you see the difference? Yeah. Uh, you know, judgment, uh, I think there's a difference between uh, judging, uh, judging right, right and wrong, truth and error, and judgmental as an attitude towards uh, something, uh, a person or, or uh, you know, an ideology. One is based off of, um, you know, uh, facts and logic and understanding and truth, right and wrong. And one's based on an emotional reaction to uh, just what you don't like. Right. Uh, and I think sometimes those those get mixed up. Um, you know, uh, Pastor Neil was writing uh, about this issue, and um, I think something he said really stood out to me, and that is, um, you know, specifically talking about this Matthew passage and the judge not that you be not judged. You know, he wrote, uh, you know, what is Jesus saying? If we judge or make decisions based off evidence, then that is how we will be judged. If, however, we judge based on popular feelings and ideologies, not based upon facts, then we too will be judged in the same way. And then he goes on and talks about, you know, the the famous quote by Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. Um, that said, I have dreamed you know, that my four children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And then Pastor Neil, uh, you know, uh, expounded on that and saying his dream was that we would not be, we would not judge others based upon the surface appearance, but by getting to know the other person uh, and seeing their true character. Right. And that's the difference between uh, a decision or a prejudgment that's based on facts and reality instead of just, or I'm sorry, a prejudgment that's based um, not on facts or reality but just based on your initial take on the subject. Oh, right. hundred percent. And, and you see Jesus sort of use that. It's actually a joke. What he uses, what he uses is a joke here. He uses the, uh, you know, one man has a splinter in his eye and the other has uh, a two by four. You know, he already, he gives sort of what is a odd, an odd image to explain what he, where he's coming from with this passage. So why reading the whole passage is incredibly important when you're trying to de- decipher what a verse means. And what he's saying is all of us have had irritating objects in our eyes, but hopefully we can't say the same thing about a beam of wood. Mm -hmm. He's making two separate implications in this analogy. First, how could anyone see a splinter without noticing a massive beam? Second, why does the guy with a piece of lumber sticking out of his face offer to do painstaking eye surgery on his neighbor's eye? Be like me walking around with a two by four and you walking around with a splinter and me going, Hey man, you really need to do something about that splinter. Right. (laughs) That's, that's not judging with integrity and empathy. That's judging uh, haphazardly with hypocrisy and and it's disobedient. And he's saying this is the, the standard by which the righteous cast judgments. And I think even that word cast judgment, you know, just has so many, social cultural implications it makes people's skin crawl because they were wrongfully judged at some point in their life or they right. or they didn't feel a love of christ or they felt just judgment with no love or empathy and now they've looked at all judgment as no love or empathy they're not ready to hear you and i think that we owe everyone that same right hear them get to know the person get to know their character and don't just judge them based on what they're putting out which is one of the main reasons why i tied this to the LGBTQ month of rainbow flags everywhere, because that's exactly what I don't want. I don't want your identity just to be in some type of symbol. We need to talk as people and understand why you're doing what you're doing and have arguments for truth. We should all be truth seekers at the end of the day. 
Christian and non-Christian. That's, that's the goal. And, and our belief is if you seek truth long enough, you find Christ Jesus. Yeah. And, you know, as a, as a, a church here, church body as a pastor, um, I've heard you uh, preach just as much about the sin of, uh, you know, homosexuality as the sin of cohabitation, you know, a couple living together before marriage and sin. Absolutely. And so I think it's the understanding of when in judging truth and error, judging right and wrong, it's not that we're picking on one no. specific um, people group of people. That's it, right. You know, we're saying, here's what the Bible says. Here's yeah. what God's standard says. We don't live up to it. No, sexual what does, morality. What does of all that kinds. mean? Right. That means that we are sinners in need of a savior, and like, that's where the gospel is able to be come in and, and transform and change hearts. Is when we understand who we are without Christ, and understanding that when we when we uh, evaluate ourselves and our culture right to the perfect standard of Christ and His perfect Word then we see that we're all lacking and in need of a hundred percent. And, and I, I won't, we, we have a lot of premarital counseling opportunities here at Emily Baptist. We're just sort of, we have a lot of people going through that season of marriage, young marriage. And I will not begin a premarital counseling session with people who are living together, cohabitating or engaging in premarital sex. I'm not saying if you, if you've had it, you know, with your partner, get out. Right. Right. <laughs> like I'm, there's no, it's not, it's an, it's not irredeemable. But are you walking in Christ? Because if you're not walking in holiness and walking in purity or walking in righteousness under the authority of God's perfect word, why would you go to premarital counseling? Why would you try to put a bandaid on a bullet wound? You have a greater issue here. You're not, you're not. What's the hard issue? Respecting yeah. the laws of God with your heart, with your mind and with your soul. You're just trying to butter up something culturally. So of course, this is not just this month, but there's not a premarital sex appreciation month. This right. sexual morality has taken full advantage of the culture and, and the culture's lack of understanding of the scriptures, number one, really the churches too, and our, you know, misguided empathy. It's not, it's not true empathy and it's not true kindness to, to tell someone a lie because you've perceived it to be kind. The most kind thing you can do is deliver the truth in love that, that hands down if you have an eternal perspective and you care for the soul of the individual, not just your personal reputation to be liked by everyone, where your approval is typically being sought, mine, mine included, serious problem, then you will be truthful. And there are going to be hard truths, and this just happens to be one. And this specific verse has probably done more damage because of its misuse than any other verse in the Bible, where people are now afraid to make any judgments whatsoever because they're afraid to be canceled or abused or assaulted or, you know, slandered. And at one point you kind of have to go, I'm a biblical Christian, you know, like at this point, what else do I have to prove? It, it is what it is. Like yeah. I'm going to follow the Bible and, and I think you should too. Yeah. And our culture just saying that you believe in the inerrancy of the word of God from Genesis to revelation, uh, will get you scoffs and ridicule and, you know, um, uh, you'll lose friends over that. And yeah. so I think that that's what we have to understand is that um, standing on the truth uh, of God is not easy, but yeah. it's what Christians are called to do. Right. I had a seminary professor once say that you, you don't have to try to be a jerk. Just obey the word of God and preach it honestly and faithfully. And plenty of people will think you're a jerk. Right. You know, and I'm not reveling in that. No one should. I don't want people to think I'm a jerk. Yeah. But um, Jesus calls the person with the beam hypocrites in this scenario. And that's sort of the point. And that's, it's really a lesson to everybody. This isn't at anyone specifically, except for those who are wanting to grow in Christ Jesus and, and a message and a warning. 
So, so what's the fix um, well, and, and from the application of this verse before we sort of get into the principles of judge not and what you can say in a conversation if this term comes up out of context? Does Jesus tell both guys to find a mirror and deal with their eye problem by themselves? No. Jesus tells the guy with the beam to get it out before helping his brother with a splinter. And it, nevertheless, he doesn't remove the responsibility of believers to help spot and remove sin from the lives of others they love. And then you will see clearly to take out the splinter from your brother's eyes. This passage isn't difficult because Jesus forbids making judgments. It's difficult because Jesus demands his followers to show humility when they judge something that does not come easily because you can see and I can see other people's sin clearly and my own sin tends to escape me. And that's part of the reason for fellowship and accountability and vulnerability within the church family. So all of this is in the same pursuit of holiness, the same pilgrim's progress here. And Jesus forbids them from being hypocrites and making hypocritical judgments. That's the point of the verse, not don't make judgments. It's understand you have to make judgments in a holy way in order to be a part of the mission and grow in your own sanctification. So with that, you see the principles for judge not. And there's at least four brief principles here standing out when trying to grasp what Jesus is and is not saying in the scriptures. Yep. First one is uh, we need to be careful about using a single Bible verse to make a point. And I know I've done this. You know, you're trying to win an argument or, or uh, convince somebody of something, and you just, without thinking, pull out a verse that and make it fit into your argument without really thinking about what's the context. Is, does this verse really apply to what we're talking about today? And I think this is a verse that, that's been done with over and over again. Oh, certainly. I mean, we yeah, this verse is why we're talking about it, using it to talk about this issue of, of taking a verse completely out of context and using it as a mic drop. It's number one, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, there are plenty of others when it comes to personal sins, um, you know, being careful about taking one single verse, removing all the context and using it uh, and preaching that way is actually called eisegesis. It's when we plant uh, in the sermon what we want to say and we take these verses randomly. Like, So if you're ever in a sermon and the pastor's, you know, one second in Jeremiah and then he's all the way over here in First Thessalonians and then he kind of comes back to maybe a reference in Jesus and Luke and he's back in Genesis. But that it's not telling a story. It's just it kind of feels like you're opening up four separate fortune cookies. Uh, that That is because... There is a point, and he's trying to find supplemental scriptures to fulfill a point. And that there's a danger in that. It's not always wrong. It's not always bad. Right. But there's a danger in that of just not taking a passage of scripture and doing what's called exegesis, which is what is the scripture saying, not, not what am I using the scripture to say. This is what helps sort of thwart that issue from the pulpit. And hopefully if a pastor or a leader is doing it, the church will follow. But not only one. Be careful about using a single Bible verse to make a point. I want to repeat a few of these in case you guys were, were writing them down. Don't write them down in the car, but you know, like other places where it's safe. But number two, make judgments with empathy and grace. And I really want to circle back on that. I mean, that's, there's a reason why we make this a main principle because people don't do it. Yeah. You get mad, you get angry. People sense that anger. They're right to flee from you. If you're, if you're being a total jerk, showing no grace, no empathy, and you're having a field day just casting your judgments and aspersions on people and how they live their lives. And, and what, what other or what Neil would say as well is you haven't taken the time to develop a relationship with that person. You're just kind of going around and airsoft gun judgment. You know what I mean? Right. Just firing away. And it's like, come on, man, that's, that's not at all how Jesus did this. Yeah. And I would say the American church has, uh, had a habit of doing this. Um, and basically 
making a judgment, uh, having a holier than thou attitude without going, you know, about preaching the gospel, preaching the word of God with that grace and humility. Right. Galatians six, one through two, and, and how we see there very plainly followers of Jesus are forced have to be making moral judgments. We need to get into to a church culture again, where we're all making solid moral judgments, but we need to do it with a full awareness of our own sinfulness. Yeah, uh, which leads us into three, the never judge with hypocrisy. Yeah, Jesus commands his followers to uh, make judgments about sins, not personal vendettas, so not political parties. Uh, we must diligently avoid viewing ourselves as better than others who sin. I think that's when competition and a competitive spirit can really get in the way of your your spiritual growth. Yeah, there. you know, this, this whole beam right, in the yeah. eye thing was a common quoted passage in my household by my parents very often well, between was, you and your siblings yeah and when there was disagreements between our siblings you know the idea that well look at yourself um yeah. you might you might be uh think the other person's 99 percent wrong but you know do you have are you showing this this uh thing that you're accusing your sibling of in your own life mm. right there and making us step back evaluate ourselves evaluate and see, are we right with the Lord um, before we went and complained about the actions of a sibling? Or yeah, wa- walking through uh, marital counseling, and you get to a place where you become so upset that all you see are the other person's faults, you know, and that's that tends to flood your mind. And I think a good counseling doesn't ignore the faults of the other person, you know, doesn't ignore things that need to be changed, of course, respectively, but also tends to continually ask the question of the of the accuser where are you in this where do you fall in this what are you what are you doing <laughs> to grow in christ right. jesus right. you know that's that's the main issue here so hopefully that clarification has been made and then finally uh don't cower in fear when a judgment needs to be made this is this is huge for me this is where it becomes a bit more impassioned for me in in the conversation is uh, I believe if I did some self evaluation I feel more comfortable having the conversation but it's only because there's a right way to do it. And I've practiced enough to where I've done it the wrong way so many times that now you can have a conversation where it ends with the person saying, just like this, this, this story I was telling earlier of the conversation it ended with, hope you have a great day. Right. I mean, there's a, there's a, now it doesn't always do that, no. but most of the time, if you, if you're being respectful and you're seeing your own sin and you're not coming across as some egotistical jerk trying to make a point or win an argument, you don't have to cower in fear. The reason why you'd cower in fear when there's a judgment that needs to be made is one, you typically don't know enough about your Bible to provide evidence of the authority of that decision because you're not making that opinion call. You are stating what the word of God teaches because that's your authority. So typically, if we're going statistically, it's because people aren't in the word and knowing the word enough. That's that's really it. You don't feel you don't feel readied for the mission. So you're not walking the mission out. That That's a huge problem. And two, they don't want enemies. They don't want trouble. They don't want controversy, which I get. I mean, who wants enemies? Yeah. You know, like, I like to be liked. Yeah, but I, like and I think you obviously want, I, I, as someone said, you know, is it's good to have the right enemies. Okay, yeah, well, we're, we're talking about, you know, like the Axis forces here. Okay, I get, but I'm talking about like your neighbor, you know, uh, or your friend or a family member. Coworker, yeah. Right, someone you're going to be seeing and you don't want, you don't want that unnecessary drama. But unfortunately, we are called to a higher standard and a higher mission as truth seekers in Christ Jesus that... We shouldn't use Jesus's warning against hypocrisy as an excuse to absolve us from declaring unpopular truths. And unfortunately, I just think 
even within the SBC, we're seeing that from, from leadership down. Uh, we're seeing a lack of courage. We're seeing easy targets right. where the dead horse is completely beaten and we're continuing to beat it, to beat it. And, and here are these other things that need addressing and they're, they're not being addressed out of a, a fear and a cowardice. And really it comes down to an idol of pragmatism. If you're looking at the church, it comes down to an idol of self love when it comes to people and individual relationships. Yeah. You know, in the end, Jesus is the advocate that we need and long for. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he adjusts and the justifier of the person who trusts in him from Romans three twenty six. Yeah, Romans. So. Yeah, he does. No, he. Here's the thing: we serve a Christ who doesn't turn a blind eye to sin, but he he actually sees it, and then he takes the judgment we deserve, so we can stand justified and live under his wise rule. That's the gospel. Like that's Christ crucified. We're all sinners. We're all in need of salvation. We're all in need of sanctification. I don't believe anyone is better than anyone else on their own with their own merit. It's like Paul saying, you know, uh, I'm the worst of sinners. He uses uses that. He says, you know, there's rooms full of sinners of which I am the chief. Why is he saying that? You know, like, let's ask, why why is he saying, why is he calling himself the chief of sinners? Self-loathing? Self-deprecation? Yeah, I think it's a a proper understanding of who he is in light of who Christ is. He can't help because he he grows in Christ. Exactly. As he sees the Word of God, uh, I mean, he's a part of of writing the Word of God, but as he sees Christ, um, he can't help see who he is before Christ and seeing um, who he would be without Christ and understanding that, you know, without Christ, He's just as bad as in any other center out there. Uh, and I would encourage people with a few things. One, um, and you encourage us in this as well for accountability, that we, that we pray mainly, Lord, let me see my own sin. May my own sin be revealed to me so that I sin can of follow gossip. you. Yeah. Sin of Anywhere whatever it might it's be. gone dark. Yes. Anywhere it's, you know, it's gone to where I'm just ignoring it or live, just living in it you know, because mm-hmm. I want to. Make that reveal, you know, right. like show that sin. You have to really love Jesus and really hate sin to do that and pray yeah. that. So that's the goal. It's and a humbling experience because he, he'll reveal it to you. Oh, well, number one, <laughs> it won't stay hidden. Right. We know that from scripture. Right. Number two, you, that's what spiritual growth is. Right. It's revealing sin in you. Mm-hmm. And people will go, that's depressing. No, dude, it's freeing. Like depressing is to be a slave to sin. Yeah. It's freeing to see that die, to see that flesh die and to follow Christ with everything we have because he is the way, the truth, and life. So, so I, together, let's pursue flourishing together in Jesus' kingdom. May he empower us to judge with clarity, humility, courage, and with beam-free eyes to love people enough to tell them the truth, to do so in a way that models integrity and humility. May we truly be a people of a contrite heart uh, instead of a prideful heart, uh, ironically, during the month of pride. Uh, so that brings us to a close today. Uh, be in prayer for the Southern Baptist Convention meeting that is ahead. Um, prayers needed. In a world where, you know, sexual morality has had its way, you can tell why Jesus has asked us to flee from this specific sin uh, in the scriptures and why we must take that incredibly seriously, that this is not just one direction, sexual morality, but something the world needs to hear. And we need to walk in such a way where we are beyond reproach, uh, where we are beyond rebuke. This isn't just something for the elders and the pastors in the church. This is for Christ followers, for moms and for dads and for grandparents to pursue holiness above all else. Uh, because a righteous life in Christ is possible with Christ and through Christ. Amen. I've enjoyed this conversation and looking forward to uh, some of the future topics we have coming up this summer. Um, And as always, if you are listening to this, thank you. 
pass this along to your friends uh, and those you think could benefit from it. Uh, you know, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the platform and podcast platforms there. Um, and then yeah, give us your thoughts and comments uh, topics you'd like to see us discuss here. So. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Take us away, Clay. Thank <laughs> you.